All right, thank you for coming. You may be seated. We're glad you guys are here today. It is a great privilege and honor to be here. <clears throat> um, as you know, I'm not Pastor Micaiah. Pastor Micaiah is out of town. He is preaching, being a blessing at a different church. So just keep him in your prayers as he is out being a blessing in Texas to a different church. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to be under a pastor who um, is willing and able to uh, get the privilege and honor to go out and speak and also to just get that investment in my personal life to uh, be under his leadership and the role that he's uh, given me. And I just thank him for the opportunity I get to speak and be a blessing to you guys. I'm excited for what the Lord has laid on my heart. I hope that it is a blessing to you. I know it's been a blessing to me in, in, in the few weeks that I've been studying it. And I just hope that it is a blessing to you. So let's go ahead and pray real quick before we get started. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for today, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we continue um, in our series in emotions, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to um, filter our emotions through you, Lord. We just pray that as uh, Pastor Micaiah is away um, for the weekend preaching at a different church, that you would continue to do a work uh, where he's at, Lord. I pray you'd give him uh, travel safety, Lord, and just help him to come back safely. We miss him and we love him, and we're praying for him as he is away. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so I'm excited for what we're going to learn today. We're going to continue our series in Daniel chapter number four. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up your uh, your Bible to Daniel chapter four. We're going to go ahead and read the scripture in Daniel chapter number four. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter number four, King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and people of every language who lived in all the earth. He's saying this, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about this miraculous signs and wonders about the most high God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is eternal, his kingdom. The dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, at home, in my palace, contented and prosperous, I had a dream that made me afraid. I was lying in bed, and the images and visions that passed through me, through my mind, terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the uh, musicians and chantlers and astrologers and uh, diviners came, I told them the dream. But they could not interpret it for me. Finally, verse number 8, finally Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar, after the name of my God uh, and the spirit of the holy gods in him. I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. Verse 10. These are the visions I saw lying in the bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land, and height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and on its top touched the sky, it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful. The fruit abundant on it was full. Uh, it was food for all. Under wild animals found shelter. And the birds lived in the branches from every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked. And there before me was the Holy One, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree cut down the tree and trim off all the branches and strips of its leaves and scatter its fruit 
Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from the branches, but let the stump and its roots bound with iron and the bra, uh, bronze remain the ground in the, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let the live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him give the mind of an animal. Till seven times pass by for him. This decision is announced by messengers. The Holy One declared the verdict so that the living may know the most high is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes anyone he wishes, and sets over the lowest of the people. This is the dream King Nebuchadnezzar had. Now Belshazzar, which is Daniel, told, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it. Uh, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can. Because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. At this point in Daniel's life, he is given an opportunity to speak to the king again. This is the second dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has, and he brought all of his astrologers and all of his people with him, and he's saying, hey, I need Daniel to interpret it. But I don't know if you caught verses 1 to 3, Nebuchadnezzar is writing a biography about himself, meaning the things that already happened to him have already happened, meaning he already experienced that, so he's writing to the kingdom. He's writing to them. He's telling them. He is saying, hey, these are the things that happened to me. And I want to declare to you today that each and every one of us have felt some type of emotion today. Whether you realize it or not, we have all felt an emotion. And that is, that is the title of our series that we're going over is Emotions. And King Nebuchadnezzar is going through an emotion in his life. And that emotion is the emotion of pride. That emotion is the emotion of pride. So, church family, my question for you today is this. What emotions have you been feeling? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it anger? Is it excitement? What emotion have you felt? Each and every one of us have felt an emotion. We have felt something that has caused us to have some deep grief or some deep anger or some deep something in us. But many times we come to church, we come to this place, and we say, hey, you know what? I got it all together. My entire week was perfect. We give off this perception of perfection because we don't want to let anybody know that we're human, that there's something going on in us, and that we're just, we have emotions. And so we come to church and we say, you know what? It's, it's all right. I can act like I wasn't fighting in the car. I can act like I wasn't upset before I came to church because the people of church won't know. And I can just pull it off one more time. Many of us have done that. I've done that in my life to where I've had a bad day and then I come to church and I'm just like, all right, I got to put on my game face. I got to put on my game face. I got to pretend like I'm doing all right. But King Nebuchadnezzar is writing. He's writing to Babylon saying, hey, Babylon, I am telling you a biography about myself. The question is, why do we do that? Why do we, write, why do we pretend like we got everything together? Why are we like, hey, you know what? It's all right. I, I, if I can't come to church unless I got everything perfect. Why is that? Why? Because we have pride. And that is the emotion we're going to talk about today. Because the mighty king. Nebuchadnezzar, 
who had everything he wanted, everything he desired, everything that he could eat. He had it all. And he was giving off this perception of perfection. Many times we give off this perfection or perception of perception when, man, look at my house. Look at my job. Look at my car. Look at all these successful things I have because I'm giving off this perception of perfection. And Nebuchadnezzar is warning Babylon. And God is warning us today saying, hey, Southridge, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, trust me. Let me help you. And Daniel is in front of the mighty king who at at this point, he could have snapped his fingers and said, you know what? You're dead. And so Daniel at this point is wrestling with himself and saying, man, I don't know if I was supposed to interpret the dream how the king wanted it to happen. So he was perplexed. He was saying, hey, I'm perplexed. I'm confused because I know if the king doesn't like what I say, I could die. I could, I could be done. I could no longer be in existence. But the king summoned him. And Daniel had to choose to do the right thing and say, hey, you know what? Though the king wants me to tell him the dream and though whatever I may say may cause me my life, I'm not going to give off that, perfect, uh, that perception of perfection. Because Daniel could have been like, oh man, this this dream is about you and how awesome you are and how the tree is going to give off fruit and you're just going to be amazing and you're the best king there ever was. Like, that's how I would have taken it. Like, man, hey, you know what? I'm just going to, I'll make it up myself. Hey, Mr. Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, I just want to let you know that this dream is about a beautiful oak tree and how awesome you are and how your roots grow and how it's just like you can burn really well if you put it oak in the fire and you just last a very long time and all this beautiful fruit because you're just amazing. But let me tell you something. That's not what Daniel decided to tell him. That's not what Daniel decided to, to tell him. And I'm afraid many of us, man, we're, we're given that opportunity to speak truth into somebody. When we're given that privilege to speak truth into somebody, we're afraid to say it. Because we're like, man, what will they think of me if I say it to them? How will they perceive me if I tell them the truth? But, many, but Daniel said, you know what? I'm not going to give off this perception of perfection. I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not. I'm not going to pretend to not know what this dream is. Hey, church family, don't pretend you don't know when you really do know. Because there's people who need you. There's people who come to you for advice. There's people who say, hey, you're that solid voice in my life. And sometimes we get afraid and we get scared and we just ignore it. And Daniel's saying, hey, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to be honest with you. So, church family, let's be honest. Like Daniel was being honest. Daniel interprets the dream. In verse number 19, he says this. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed. We read that already. What beautiful leaves. We read that already. All right. Then, um, uh, let's see. I think we read that already. All right. So 19. Then Daniel, also called uh, Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for the time, and his thoughts were terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let this dream or the meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my lord, if only I, if only the dream applied to your enemies. He's saying, hey, if only the dream applied to the, th- the enemies. But let me tell you something. It doesn't apply to the enemies. Meaning what I'm going to tell you, I have to tell you. But it applies to you. Now, how do you think the king would have taken that at that moment? How do, you th- how do you think he would have? Man, what Daniel's about to tell me could really upset me. What Daniel's about to tell me could really cause me to get really angry. And many times when someone's trying to speak some truth into you, 
When someone's trying to be honest with you, you're like, hey, don't tell me what I want to, don't tell me what I don't want to hear, but what I know I need to hear. For me, I have this one friend. I don't have one friend. I have one friend that I call on a regular basis and say, hey, man, I really need to talk to you. Now, it's not that I really want to talk to you. It's that I really need to talk to you because I know what you're going to tell me I'm not going to like. I know what you're going to tell me is not going to sit well with me. I know what you're going to tell me is going to make me feel very uncomfortable. Who are those people in your life? Who are those people you know, hey, you know what? I don't care whether, whatever they tell me. I don't care whether if it gets me upset, but I know that this person loves me. So you see, the dream itself, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, the dream that Daniel is interpreting for the king was a warning. And that's point number one. The dream was a warning. It was a warning. It was a warning to a mighty king, to a king who had literally everything he wanted. It was a warning. The question is this. What warnings are we ignoring today? What warnings are we shoving off today? What warnings, man, it's just not a big deal. For me, man, when it comes to doing things in my personal life, like important things, like, oh, make sure you pay your car on time. Make sure you, you know, make sure you're making your bed. Ah, I'm just going to forget it, man. I'll do it. I'll do it next. You know, I'll do it tomorrow. You see, I'm ignoring that warning. Hey, you know, if you don't pay your car on time, you know who's going to come and get you. It's not your dad. It's not the credit guys. Well, maybe. It's the repos, man. They're going to come. They're going to repo my car, and then I'm about to start walking to church. But hey, that's a warning. What warnings are we ignoring today? The church is established to give you warning. The church is established so that you can come and you can hear that warning. And so that when you come to church, you don't have to feel like you have to give off this perception of perfection. You don't have to feel like, hey, you know, I have to have it all together. The church is a hospital for the broken. The church is a hospital for the broken. That means this. Hey, you can come to church with all your junk. You can come to church with all your garbage. You can come to church with all your fears. You can come to church with all your anxiety. You can come to church with all your anger. You can come to church with all your problems. You don't need to give off a perception of perfection. This is a warning. Hey, we're here to help you in that warning. The church is here to help you in that warning. King Nebuchadnezzar was given a warning, and he chose not to listen to that. That warning. And maybe you're giving that warning today. Maybe that warning is flashing your head right now. Maybe those, that caution cone is like beep, 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 beep. Like, oh man, what am I doing? What's in my personal life that's giving off a warning? Hey, maybe for you it's a financial crisis. Maybe for you it's, hey, you know what? I probably shouldn't go over my bills. I probably shouldn't buy this Starbucks right now because even though I really like Starbucks, it's like I'm guilty of Starbucks. I'm just, I'm preaching to myself right now. I probably shouldn't buy this Starbucks right now because, hey, if I know if I buy this Starbucks, I'm not going to be able to eat. It's not really that bad, but... (laughs) But hey, what's that warning? Maybe you need to have a financial adjustment. Maybe you need to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to buy a $5 Starbucks. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to buy that 
$1,000 Gucci bag. I think that's like kind of low, but whatever. I'm not going to buy those new equipment or new Apple watches or new whatever, whatever that technology is or whatever that new house is or new boat or whatever it is in your life. Maybe that's the warning saying, hey, if you choose to spend that money there, you're not going to be able to spend it here. You're not going to be able to provide for yourself later because many times we live in a mindset where it's like, hey, you know what? It's here and now, and that's all I'm going to focus on. I'm not going to worry about my retirement. I'm not going to worry about the, the future. I'm just going to worry about what I want now, what I want here, what, I, what my heart desires, what the television is telling me to buy, and forget later because the later is later. But, hey, later is not only later, but it's sooner than later because every single day you live and every single step you take, you're getting closer to that later. Meaning, we got to live in a mindset of later is not only later, but later is closer today than it was yesterday. And Nebuchadnezzar was given a warning saying, hey, if you don't shape up, if you don't worship the one true God, if you don't decide to live for me, you're going to regret it. And hey, guess what? He didn't listen to that warning because he's like, hey, later is later. But later is right now, is right here, meaning the decisions, the choices, the things you think about, the, the things that mold you and make you every single day should be for later. So what are those things you're ignoring? What are they? Because it's a warning sign. It's a warning sign. How would you like it if you didn't get a warning sign from your gas on your car? It's just like, oh, you're out of gas. You don't have 50 miles. That's it. You're done. You're out of gas no more. You can't drive anymore. Hey, your car gives off a warning, a 50-mile mark. You better get gas or you're going to run out. And we, we ignore that warning. I do it all the time. It's like, forget that warning. I got a couple more miles. Maybe that warning in your life is a life change. What, what, what does that life change? Man, that's a financial thing, man. I need to stop spending. I need to stop thinking for myself. Maybe that warning in your life is a personal thing. Man, I need to put God first. Man, I need to start praying. Man, I need to start reading my word. Man, I need to have God's presence in my life every single day and not just come to church to get God's presence, but God's presence is available to me every single day of my life if I choose to get God's presence. But hey, you know what? Man, I'll I'll, I'll walk with God later. Man, you know what? I'll talk with God later. Man, you know what? I'll uh, later, later, later. Forget that warning. And Nebuchadnezzar, It's starting off in the chapter, verses 1 to 3. He's writing and he's saying, hey, the marvelous works, the things that happened to me. I am writing this biography about my life telling you. He's saying, I experienced all these things and it happened to me. And I'm giving you this warning. You see, church, we have the complete word of God. We have the opportunity and the privilege to know everything there is to know about the Bible. We can actually look into the lives of these people who aren't just some fictional character. We have the opportunity and privilege to look into these people's lives who actually experienced God and who actually lived and made decisions. And we can see, man, look at the decisions they made here. Look at the decisions they made there. Look what that decision took them. Man, how would you like it if your life was on a book to where people could say, man, I do not want to end up like John Bourgeois. Put your name there. Man, if my life was blank and someone could read it, what would I do differently? 
The Bible is like that for us. Man, the Apostle Paul was there. Jonah was there. Billy Graham has been there. Pastor Micaiah is here. And he's saying, hey, I'm giving you a warning. I'm giving you a warning, church. God's saying, hey, today I'm giving you a warning. This message is not just for the preacher. This message is not just for the believer. This message is for everybody to say, hey, the warning is today. And don't push it off for tomorrow. The warning is today. And don't push it off for tomorrow. Billy Graham was one of the greatest evangelists of all time. He was a voice of hope for our generation. Charles Spurgeon was a voice of hope for that generation. Winston Churchill was a voice of hope for the previous generation. Pastor Micaiah is a voice of hope for South San Jose and for this generation. And he's given off warnings. But I'm afraid we shove off the warnings. We shove it off. Man, it's no big deal. I'll get it. I'll fix it later. I'll fix it tomorrow. I'm telling you something, church. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, meaning his whole entire ministry was known as a weeping prophet. He cried. He said, hey, repent, repent, repent. Please, somebody repent. And guess what? They didn't listen. Hey, guess what? Jonah, or yeah, Jonah was a prophet to, to, to Nineveh. And he was saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to listen to God. And God's like, no, you're going to listen to me. You're getting there. Hey, he was a voice regardless of wanting to be a voice or not. Hey, did you know Abraham was a voice? Did you know that God is always willing and God is always able to send those warnings? That's how faithful our God is. That's how awesome our God is. That's how amazing our God is. That God it doesn't just say, hey, you know what? You know what? Pastor Wes, I don't really care about you, Pastor Wes, but guess what, Pastor Wes? You're just going to live your life on your own, and guess what? You're not going to get any warnings. You're just going to have to go at this road alone by yourself, and it doesn't matter the decisions and choices you make, but hey, God's saying, hey, Pastor Wes, I'm giving you a warning. Hey, Pastor Wes, I'm giving you this word. Hey, church family, Nebuchadnezzar chose not to listen to that warning. He, he, he had a friend that went to him, Daniel, and he was given that dream, and Daniel was scared to, to, to interpret the dream for him but guess what he shoved off the warning and what happens next what happens next verse number 28 verse number 28 the bible says this in verse number 28 all this all this happened to king nebuchadnezzar all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty, while the words were still in the king's mouth, I want everyone to repeat that, repeat that. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven, and you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. 
And seven periods of time shall come over you until you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately, 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 the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle feathers and his nails were like bird claws. At the end of the days, at the end of the days, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up his eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. You see, he was given a warning, but he chose not to listen to that warning. He was also, he chose to not repent He doesn't repent. He says, you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't care. What you're telling me isn't true. It's not relevant. He doesn't repent. And he lives like a beast for seven years. Meaning, the king, a king who had complete sovereignty, complete control. Whatever he said, people did. However he lived, people obeyed. He had maids and servants and soldiers and people at his every wimp of everything that he desired. But after, the seven, after he chose not to listen to Daniel and after he chose to say, hey, I'm not going to repent, God caused judgment. God said, you know what? You're not going to worship me? You're not going to bow down to me? For seven years, you will live like a beast. Let me tell you something. Church family, if we choose to ignore those warning signs day after day after day after day after day after day after day, if we choose to shove it off. Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not relevant. It doesn't apply to me anymore. Day after day after day after day after day. Let me tell you something. God will say, hey, hey, it's time. It's time for you to Let something happen. And I'm not trying to scare you. But I'm saying God's sending a warning. God's sending a voice. God's saying right here, right now, in this room, he's saying, hey, listen to me. Don't let your pride control you. Because that was what Nebuchadnezzar's problem was. He let his pride control him. He chose not to listen. He chose not to obey. And day after day, warning after warning, time after time, God says, hey, you know what? Enough is enough. And I'm afraid to tell you sometimes that God's going to say this to you in your life. Enough is enough. And I'm here to tell you. And we're here to tell you. And the pastoral team is here to tell you. Don't get to that point. Don't get to that point. Don't get to that point where God says, hey, you know what? I'm sorry I have to do this. Our heart's desire, our dream, the reason we serve is so that we can give people warnings and we can guide them and we can help them in their Christian life. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Because we love you. Because God loves you. And God's always willing to love you and give you an opportunity. And Nebuchadnezzar chose not to listen. He chose to shove it off. And he doesn't repent How do you think his kingdom took it? Now, I'm not trying to add to scripture. I'm not trying to take away from scripture. But really, let's think about this. If Nebuchadnezzar, the king, the one true king in his kingdom of Babylon, decides, hey, I'm going to turn into a beast, doesn't really decide, but that happens to him. What does his kingdom do for seven years? Like, does that mean that when he was given that warning, 
that there were other people in the room? Man, oh, you know what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, I can tell you what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel came to him and said, hey, guess what? If you don't repent, if you don't worship the one true God, you're going you're gonna to turn into a beast. Meaning his kingdom, his position that he was given was without leadership for seven years. Seven years without a king, without someone to help them and guide them and feed the people and protect them. Meaning the people around him had to pick up the slack. And maybe for you, you're given that warning and you're choosing not to listen to that warning. And some people around you that you know, friends, family, are going to have to pick up the slack. And are going to have to help he doesn't repent. He doesn't repent. But you see, you know what's amazing about our God? is that even though he chooses, you know what? I'm not going to repent. And even though he chooses, you know what? I'm not going to listen. He repents in the end. He repents in the end. So even though all of his heart's desire was saying, get away from me, Daniel. You don't know what you're talking about. And then consequence. And then, whoa. God is still here? God is still willing to give me love? And give me a second chance? That's what's amazing about our God. That's what's amazing about our God. Is that he chose not to repent. And then he repents. So he's saying, John... What is the whole purpose of what you're trying to say right now? And the whole purpose of what I'm trying to say right now is this. Hey, whatever that pride is, whatever that feeling was, whatever that thing that's holding you back from worshiping the one true God, King Nebuchadnezzar started his life with pride, wrote about his life, gave us a warning, said, I'm not going to repent. And then chooses to repent. And he's saying, hey, Southridge. Hey, church people. Hey, boys and girls. Anyone who reads this, this is the truth. You see, the scripture says he, little gods. It's, it talks about little gods. But he comes to this conclusion. And the conclusion is this. His conclusion at the end of his life, at the end of the decisions and choices that he made, Nebuchadnezzar made, is this. God is stronger than all the other gods. God is stronger than all the other gods. Think about that statement. God is stronger than all the other gods. That means this. God, capital G, O, D, God. The God, the Jehovah Jireh, the one true God is stronger than my position. Because I'm king. I'm God. God is stronger than all the little gods, all the idols I choose to worship, all the things I choose to put in front of me, because God is stronger. He comes to that conclusion that God is stronger than all the other gods. Hey, how humbling is that for him? How humbling is that for him to come to that conclusion that, hey, you know what? I'm really not so hot. I'm really not so cool. I'm really not the best king there ever was. Hey, 
That is a humbling situation. And in the beginning of this portion, that's the only reason why we like King Nebuchadnezzar. Many people don't like people who are full of themselves. But we like Nebuchadnezzar in this beginning portion because guess what? He's humble. He shows humility. He shows passion. And he comes to that conclusion that God is stronger than all the other gods. You know what? It's not only that he comes to a conclusion that God is stronger than all the other gods. He's not like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to keep it to myself. And then as I keep it to myself, I'm just going to be by myself and worship the one true God. And that's all it is. And then, you know, everyone else can just not worry about it and just have a grand old time. But guess what? I'm not only going to say God is stronger than all the other gods. But since I'm king... And since basically whatever I say or however I choose to act because I'm king, I'm basically going to encourage my entire kingdom to worship the one true God. I'm going to encourage the entire kingdom to worship the one true God. Whoa. So a guy full of himself, a guy so proud of himself, not only comes to the conclusion that, I'm going to worship the one true God, but gives off the warning to his entire kingdom and basically says, hey, guess what, Jared? You're going to worship the one true God, and you don't have a choice about it because guess what? You know why? Because God is stronger than all the other gods, and I'm going to encourage you to worship the one true God. But you know what? He doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He personally worships the one true God. He personally worships the one true God. He encourages people to worship the one true God. He encourages his kingdom to worship the one true God. And then at the very end, he says, hey, I'm going to worship Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to worship God, the one true God. Because guess what? Even though I chose not to repent, and even though I made mistakes, and even though I'm not defined by my mistakes, I'm going to worship the one true God because God is able and willing to give you a second chance. And the question is this. The question is simple today. The question is, are you worshiping the one true God? And this, hey, are you letting your pride get in the way of worshiping the one true God? Nebuchadnezzar is warning us. Nebuchadnezzar is giving us an opportunity and a privilege today to say, hey, I'm going to put aside everything that is causing me not to worship the one true God. I'm just going to let it go, and I'm just going to trust your plan and trust that you have a good plan. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you a simple question. And the question is this, are you letting your pride get in the way to worship the one true God? Are you letting your pride get in the way to worship the one true God? Nebuchadnezzar did. Nebuchadnezzar allowed his pride to get in the way. But he came to the conclusion at the end of the life, hey, I'm going to worship the one true God. Hey, if your pride, if you had a lot of pride this week, and if you had to come to church and say, hey, I got it all together. I'm not broken inside. God is saying today, God is saying for us today, worship me. Trust me. Believe in me. Because I am stronger than the one true God. God is also saying this. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar did not know me. Did not claim to know me. But God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to know you. Just like God sent Jonah. 
Just like God sent Abraham. Just like God sent Billy Graham. God is sending preachers and teachers every single day to worship the one true God. I don't know what emotion you felt this week. I don't know what thing you felt this week. But today I'm asking. Today God is asking. To let go. And to let God. To let go of that pride. Let go of that emotion. Let go of that fear and anxiety and anger and say, God, whatever it is, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that person that gives me that advice that even though I may not like that advice and even though that advice may not make me feel very good inside, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it because I want to worship you. I want to trust you. If Nebuchadnezzar was here, he would tell you because he already has.